Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class. A short Bible study every single day of the week, seven days a week, but just short, about 13 minutes every day. But you know, that still gets us into God's Word. And since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, then the more we're in God's Word, the stronger our faith stays and grows. We encourage you always to share these short studies with everybody you can. You may help somebody get into God's Word and turn their life around. And certainly you can say, hey, it's only about 13 minutes every day. Can't you listen for that little bit of time? Share through Facebook friends, text messages, other, other technological means, but share with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can every day. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody come to God. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing for them but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study, talking about temptation and how to overcome it. Well, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6, as we noted, the Apostle Peter talked about how we will be faced with, the King James Version says, manifold temptations. The American Standard Version says manifold trials. And again, that word manifold means uh, we're talking about serious stuff here. Big, many. The New King James Version says various trials. And the devil is skillful, as we pointed out, in searching out ways through which we become susceptible to his temptations to lead us into sin and thereby away from God into unfaithfulness to God, and ultimately he's about our eternal destruction. Peter talks about that by identifying him as being like a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. So the devil's always trying to lure us into sin, but God has promised that he will make the way for us to say no to the temptations, to escape the sin. Peter talks about that in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, that God knows how to deliver the godly from temptation. And the Apostle Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, that God is faithful, will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able, but will always, with the temptation, make the way for us to escape or to say no. James talks about it in James chapter 1 and verse 12, that first, God is not going to tempt us. He cannot be tempted, and he does not tempt anyone to sin. But we are led into sin by our own desires. The devil works. He knows what we are vulnerable to, most, most susceptible to, maybe I should say. And he knows those openings, and he tries to hit us in those openings whenever and however he can. And so he throws those temptations at us, and when we give in, and he knows what desires we're particularly susceptible to, and so James says when desire, uh, or rather each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed, and then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. But back in verse 12, James says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. In other words, does not give in to it. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. 
eternal life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So God will see us through as long as we stay true to God. And James goes on in, verse, in, in James chapter 4 in verses 7 and 8 and says, submit to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. And how do we resist the devil? We submit to God. He goes on in the next verse, verse 8, and says, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Well, so as long as we're walking with God faithfully, there's no place for the devil in our lives. Now, as I said, as we closed last time, I want us to begin to look at four practical, effective ways to deal with temptation, to say, to, to, to overcome it, to resist it. In Job chapter 2, actually go back to chapter 1, as you open this particular book, and this may be the oldest book in the Bible from the way it is laid out, uh, it, 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 it seems pretty clear that it's being portrayed in the patriarchal age when God dealt directly with the heads of the families. But it may not be the oldest one, but it looks like it very possibly could be. But here was a man named Job, and he was a godly man, and God had blessed him tremendously. The devil wanted to work Job over, and so he challenged God, let me have at him. And so God said, uh, okay, Job is my faithful servant. He stayed true to me all this time. And so he says, okay, all that he has is yours, but, or is in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. Verse 12 of chapter 1. And so the rest of that chapter lays out in rapid succession what the devil did to try to bring Job into sin and bring him away from God. First it says, <clears throat> there was a day, and all of this happened on the same day. The, the text seems to indicate there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. The messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided them and took them away, indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Well, as bad as those three successive reports were, the worst was still to come. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. My. Job, I think we're to understand, had been a wealthy man, but he lost a whole lot of his wealth in rapid succession in one day. But beyond that, and far more important, he had ten children, seven sons and three daughters, and now, on that same day, they were dead. Well, what was Job's response? Now, the devil was behind all of that. Job rose 
tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped, worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Well, how discouraged the devil must have been at that particular point. <laughs> Talk about working somebody over. And remember what the Apostle Peter said? We are confronted with manifold temptations, big temptations, lots of temptations. Job certainly was on that one single day. But the devil was not finished. He challenged God again to let, that God would let him work Job over. But this time he wanted to have the, the ability to work on Job's physical being. And God said, okay, have at it, but you cannot take his life. And so the devil was restricted at this one point. And so what did the devil do? Well, <clears throat> verse 7 of chapter 2. He went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took him for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. What agony Job must have been, been in. And he did not understand what was happening. Why did this happen to him? Well, the devil was behind this. But then the devil also used Job's wife to tempt him to sin. In verse 9, his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. In other words, get it over with. What was Job's response? He said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed, shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Interesting, isn't it? The devil tried and tried and tried again. But, Joseph, uh, but Job stayed true to God. Well, what was Job's response? How could, we, how could we classify his response? In every single case, on that first day, report after report after report, he worshipped God. He did not sin. On that next day, when he broke out with grievous sores, boils from the top of his head to the bottoms of his feet, and then when his wife even challenged him, why don't you just curse God and die? Get it over with. Job said no. And this is the first practical effective way to deal with temptation. It's common sense. It's down to earth. It's easy to understand. And yet a lot of people will turn away from it and say, that is so trite, that is so trivial, there's got to be something more profound than that as a way to deal with temptation. Job just said no. Just say no. In fact, that might be the most effective and down-to-earth way to deal with temptation. Just say no. Well, the devil really worked Job over, didn't he? 
But we have no record that Job ever sinned. Now, he questioned God. His faith may have weakened to some extent because he did not know what, what, why, what was happening to him was happening to him. But he never cursed God. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, a chilling statement by our Lord to the Apostle Peter. In Luke chapter 22, and beginning with verse 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, and this was Peter, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I know what a sifter is. I know what it means to sift something as wheat. <laughs> Jesus told Peter, Satan wants to work you over. He wants to put you through the ringer. But I prayed for you. And it's interesting that Jesus says, when you have returned to me, so the understanding is, you're going to succumb. You're going to stub your toe, but you're going to come back. I pray that your faith won't fail. When you come back, strengthen your brethren. Peter, for a time, did not say no. But then he came to realize his sin, and he repented. We'll come back and look more next time. Let's pray. Father, help us to remember to take courage in the fact that you've promised to be with us and to give us the strength, to give us the way, to give us the direction to overcome the temptations the devil lure, uh, throws at us. Help us along these lines. Help us to stay strong, Father, we pray, and to always look to you for deliverance and strength. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.